Hi, this is Carl Alvarez from the Inside Metal movie documentary series that uh, Bob directed and Joe Floyd and I produced and Warren Coyle executive produced. So when we were doing the movie, one of the things we wanted to do is a special devotion to all the people who have passed on. Um, this is something we all love the idea, but considering time constraints, we couldn't get it done in time to turn into the movie. So we shelved it. But since Bob has passed, um, I wanted to resurrect the idea and do a special dedication to Bob. So, Bob arrives in heaven. And heaven is the Sunset Strip. And the entrance to heaven is the Rainbow Barn Grill. And that's the entrance to heaven. Uh, Bob walks up, and the first person he sees is Mike Henry, his old friend from August Redmond in Eden. He's checking IDs at the door. Bob, people have been waiting for you. This is a big party going just for you inside, so come on in. So Bob walks in. First person he sees is Mario Magdaleri from The Rainbow. Elmer Valentine, co-owner of The Roxy and The Whiskey. Uh, Bill Gazzari, uh, Kim Fowley. And we have Sandy West, the drummer of The Runaways. She's the hostess for Bob of the night, and she's gonna uh, escort Bob in wherever Bob wants to sit or Bob wants to wander around. It's it's Bob's night. He can do whatever he wants. He wants. So, if you ever been to the Rainbow? It's a big U-shaped, and there's the the, the booths that are there and this U-shaped, and there's quite a few people that are seated. Now the first booth, we got Steve Gaines and Ronnie Van Zant from Leonard Skinner, Leslie West from Mountain, uh, Ken Hensley from Uriah Heep. And we also have Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. The next booth, Rory Gallagher, Mick Ronson from David Bowie's band, Tommy Bolin from Deep Purple, and Mark Bolin from T-Rex, Paul Kozoff from Free, and Steve Marriott from Humble Pie. The far booth, the back booth, Eddie Van Halen, Ronnie Montrose, Randy Rose, Gary Moore, and Bernie Torme. On the right side of the room in the back booth, we got Martin Hooker from the Great Music for Nations label. Bob Muldowney from Kick-Ass Monthly Fanzine. Uh, Malcolm Dome from Kerrang! Magazine. John and Marcia Zazula from Megaforce Records. Now the next booth's over, we got two booths all drummers. Uh, first booth we have AJ Pirro, Twisted Sister, Munataka Higuchi from Loudness, Randy Castillo from Ozzy's Band, Lee Kerslake from the original Blizzard of Oz and Uriah Heep, Cozy Powell, John Bonham. Uh, who else is assembled there? Neil Peart, Clive Burr from Iron Maiden and Dave Holland from Judas Priest. Now, wait a second. There's some drummers that just came down. They heard Bob was, Bob just uh, arrived and they wanted to see Bob. And there are also two drummers, uh, Nick Menza and Gar Samuelson from Megadeth. And the next booth over, Phil Lennett from Thin Lizzy. Pete Way and Paul Chapman from UFO. Jimmy Bain from Rainbow and Dio. Bon Scott and Malcolm Young from ECDC. Now, there's booths that are in the middle. We've got a couple groups.
groups of people. First group, Ray Gillen from Black Sabbath and Badlands, Robin Crosby from Rat, Mick Zane from Malice, uh, Lauren Black from Great White, Willie, Willie Bass from Black Sheep, and Dave Brown from Sound Barrier. And the booth that's closest to the fireplace, uh, we've got a great group of people, three people especially, uh, Kevin Debro and Frankie Benelli from Quiet Riot, seated next to Lizzie Gray from London. Wow, so that's the dining area. Now, on the other side of the fireplace, there is the bar area, and there's a great group of people that are assembled waiting for Bob. Uh, Dave Pritchard from Armored Saint. Danny Anaya, drummer from Abattoir. Rick Merrick, drummer from Heretic. Robbie Settles, drummer from Bitch. Uh, Gina Zamparelli, the great concert promoter. Uh, Alex Nelson and Tony Machuzak, guitarist from Lizzie Borden. Uh, second group of people, Ango from Halloween, drummer from Halloween. Uh, Chris Oliva, uh, guitarist of Sabotage. Steve Grimmett, the singer of Grim Reaper, and Mike Howell and David Wayne from Metal Church. We've got two guys assembled at the far end of the bar. Um, that's Cliff Burton and Timmy Hansen from Merciful Fate. They're talking Metallica and Merciful Fate and bass. They're off doing their thing. Uh, the bartender, the bartender of all people is Ronnie James Dio. Ronnie says to Bob, whatever you want, it's an open bar, I'll pour it for you. We just want you to enjoy yourself. Uh, Bob catches a glimpse of somebody. Uh, he's carrying glasses back to the back. He's the bar back. He catches a glimpse that it's John Lord. John Lord is the bar back at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. So Bob's just blown away with all these people. He's curious, he goes upstairs. First person he sees up there in the DJ booth is Ton Mastery from the great radio station KNAC, radio personality, Ton Mastery. She's spinning all the songs Bob wants to hear. Now, there's a dance floor and there's a house band that's set up. The house band consists of Dan McCaffrey and Manny Charlton from Nazareth and the Sweet Guys. So they're a super group assembled. They're gonna play all the Sweet songs. They're gonna do Desolation Boulevard and Give Me a Wink. Uh, expect No Mercy, Hair of the Dog, anything that Bob wants to hear, it's his request. He can pick all the songs and they'll play it for him. Now, at the tippy top of the rainbow, there's a kind of a special section. There's two people waiting up there. Uh, they want to make sure that uh, everything goes smoothly for Bob, that the party's going off perfectly. And it is. Uh, we got David Bowie and Freddie Mercury of Queen. Now, Bob's wondering, God, I've seen all these people. Where is Lemmy? Well, let's put the, a pen in that. We'll come back to Lemmy in a moment. So just as much as Bob loved to hang out, he loved to see great shows. And there's some great venues. So the first venue that Bob goes to is the Roxy, right next door to the to the Rainbow. And a great, great band is assembled just for Bob. Um, we got Leonard Hayes, Joey Alves, Phil Kenamore from Y&T. Guy Speranza and Mark Real from Riot. We got some special guests that are rolled in. Rhett Forrester from Riot comes in, comes down. Uh, Gary Driscoll and Craig Gruber from Rainbow and Elf. And they're gonna do an encore. Now, 
Ronnie James Dio hears his bandmates are playing. He runs on over from the rainbow, jumps on stage, and they do an encore of Man on the Silver Mountain because Bob is the man tonight. He is the man on the Silver Mountain. So Bob wanders out of the rock seat, goes to the next venue, and that's the Viper Room. And they've got a great band assembled for him there too. We got Paul Bailoff from Exodus. Jeff Hanneman from Slayer. Piggy from Voivod. Pete Steele from Carnivore and Typo Negative. And Vinny and Dine from Pantera. They're the band. They're gonna run through their catalog of his. Bob gets to pick the, the set list for that too. Some special guests roll in. We got a couple people that have rolled in. Uh, first person, Eric Wagner from Trouble. The next person is uh, Martin Eric from Celtic Frost and Mike Siskea from Rigor Mortis and Ministry and Armando Acosta, drummer for St. Vitus. So they do a set of thrash and, and doom and, and just, it's, a, it's an amazing set, amazing set. And Bob's picking out songs that they did, fantastic. Bob is like, how can this get any better? So Bob goes to the next venue, and that's the Whiskey A Go-Go. He walks up, sees on the marquee, Motorhead. Wow, so Bob goes in there. He sees Lemmy, Phil Taylor, and Fassity Clark. They're on stage. Lemmy comes up to the mic. Bob, we've been waiting for you. We're going to do a classic set of Motorhead just for you. So they rip through all classic Motorhead, just for Bob. Bob is amazed. Well, there's some special guests that have shown up. Uh, we've got Kelly Johnson from Girl School, Paul Sampson and Nikki Moore from Sampson, uh, Stephen Clark from Def Leppard, uh, Burke Shelley from Budgie, and Wurzel shows up. So these guys, they come and play a special new wave of British heavy metal set just for Bob. And Bob's able to pick out those songs in the set list. All requests, all by Bob. Wow, amazing. So, another special guest shows up. A very, very special guest shows up. She hops on stage. It's Wendy o. Williams of the Plasmatics. So, and Motorhead is a backing band. So, they rip through all plasmatic songs and all motorhead songs and that's the encore so that's that's bob's wish he wanted to see all these great people once he got into heaven and he saw them all amazing amazing quite an amazing night first day in heaven um and you know when he got to heaven his friends and his family members were there with him and they were coming along with him uh, enjoying these great times that bob was experiencing up in heaven and that's the way Bob was in real life. He took you along uh, wherever you wanted to go. There's a motorcycle out there. Yep, that's Bob riding out there. Wherever you wanted to go, that's where Bob took you. So he took you along for the ride, and that's just the way Bob was in real life. And he's here in spirit, and the, all the people I mentioned, they're here with us in spirit because that's that's how it works. So just want to thank Bob for his friendship with all of us and just being a great person and a unique person. So rest in peace, Bob Nelbandian, and take care.
we, you know, it was in, we, you know, we went to different high schools and, you know, you know, and I was discovering this music kind of on my own. I didn't really have any friends. I had some pen pals, but I didn't have any friends in LA that knew anything about this music. And another friend of mine uh, said, Hey, there's this guy at Marina high school. I went to ocean view high school. So he's into the same band you're into. And I'm like, yeah, right. And I'm saying no, and then I and then he's no, he really he talks about those same bands, and so then he he introduced me to him, and we had so much in common. It was amazing because, and I think he was as amazed as I was because he was going through the same thing at at his high school. But he, I remember the day he came over, and we just we couldn't believe how much we had in common, and and you know I was kind of narrow minded about the stuff I liked, and. And but he knew so much. He was like an encyclopedia of of hard rock and metal and and everything. So and and he was just like how you knew him, just a you know the nicest kid. Didn't say anything bad about anybody. And uh, my mom loved him. And uh, you know he didn't change at all through the years. You know he was a kind of a shy younger kid, and he wasn't so much when he got older. But you know, I went to a lot of early shows and. Used to go record collecting to get you know record hunting together and uh, you know early Orange County shows we'd go to we'd go to shows in Hollywood you know the bigger shows at the Country Club uh, you know it's all metal stuff that's all it was and we'd ride together a lot yeah. And, We never suspected they those bands would get big, you know, like like Iron Maiden, and we'd discover them, and there are these little tiny bands back then, and and you know never dreamt they would get big. Kind of like the the Metallica thing, you know, we never thought they'd be you know anything like they are. You know, I, I thought maybe they'd get to be like Riot or like some of the bigger American bands, but not like not nothing like they did. But yeah, that was a fun thing, and so many bands that we love too never got big and, and should have. And we always wanted him to. And that was kind of always Bob saying he never was about the business, but he was always about promoting bands and trying to help the bands that he loved. And he never once talked about, you know, I can make this kind of money or that. He was just about, you know, helping these bands succeed. And he loved seeing them get big and be successful. And that's what he always talked about. It was never, ever about money which is how he always was, even toward the end. He was that same way. You know? uh, and then there was some L.A. bands that we liked a little bit more and uh, that, uh, oh, like Malice and, you know, of course, Armored Saint. And we saw Slayer, but, you know, when they were a cover band, we'd go see them. They weren't playing speed metal at all. And, and using Metallica as their intro tape actually was, like between bands, they'd be playing No Life to Leather demo. But they weren't playing speed metal yet. They were playing priest covers and and uh, you know Brian Slagle would be at the, at those shows too. And I, my recollection is, and you know, like you said, it's been a long time. I think I first met Bob at an Arbor Saint show because you know he was tight with those guys, and he was Orange County, and you know I was I was far away from that. I had gone to shows in Orange County, but not a whole lot. So there's a whole different scene happening out there. So I'm pretty sure the first time I met him was with our, with, when Armored Saint, probably the first time I saw Armored Saint. And then, you know, we started talking and he, he, again, here's another guy that, you know, loved all the same music that, that you love, you know, all the European bands and the New York Chevy metal. It, it was always, you know, whenever you met those people, especially way back then, 
you're in, instantly connected. You're instantly friends because you're into the same music and there weren't a whole lot of people that are into it. And, you know, Bob was just as into it as I was or anybody else was. So it's always, always fun to find those, uh, you know, kindred spirits, I guess. Yeah. I don't think maybe it's just me too, but I, I just, I wasn't thinking far enough ahead for it to lead to anything. You know, like Bob tried putting out the headbanger and, and, you know, those other, uh, you know, of course, the other fanzines around the world, but, uh, I don't know. And, you know, he started managing some bands and he, he had such a good way of meeting people and everybody liked him. And you, and you couldn't not trust Bob, you know, he was just that kind of a guy, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't foresee anything in the future at all for any of it. I don't know. I just, maybe I just wasn't in my mindset, but, but he wasn't that way either. He wasn't real success oriented. I guess that's a way to put it. And, and, you know, he just loved the music and loved helping people and, you know, uh, now, now just, you know, combine like people would meet through him and become friends. And this is the way he was. Yeah. You know, there was, there was a couple other fanzines before that in LA, uh, but I can really think of one before that. And that was Brian Slagle's, uh, new heavy metal review, but, but it was kind of the first like do it yourself fanzine that kind of the metal mania of, of LA, you know, kind of, and it, uh, you know, we're, we're like Ron Quintana, you know, directed, you know, towards worldwide metal, but he also addressed a lot of the San Francisco bands. And that's what Bob did, too, you know, and he was helping, you know, he was, you know, really good friends with the Armored Saint guys and the Slayer guys and a band August Redmoon he was really good friends with. And uh, he knew all those guys, Malice. He was friends with everybody. So he helped them all uh, in the early days, you know, help promote them. And, of course, Metallica. But... uh and and it just never stopped. He never stopped doing it. Yeah, Bob was one of the most passionate people about heavy metal that I ever met. Like he was all about the music. His whole life was about how can I promote the music? What can I do to help it? You know, what outlets can I do? And he's done, you know, so many different things, but he's always been about the music. And, you know, every time I'd see him, we'd talk about, you know, whatever the new releases were or, you know, what are you listening to or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and it, it never never changed the entire you know 40 some odd years i have known him he he literally didn't change as a person he was the same guy that he was you know when he was 20 something in his you know 40s and still loved the music and still was passionate about it and you know every time i saw him he's you know wearing a band t-shirt and the whole thing so he was a real genuine guy number one and number two uh, obviously the, a huge metal fan and was in it for all the right reasons and a you know an og guy from day one pretty much so i had a mad amount of respect for bob because you know there's not you see people over the years and they kind of come and go and especially if they're not you know in a band or whatever and he was always a, a, a consistent presence on the L.A. metal scene and just the metal scene in general. Hi, this is Betsy Bitch from the band Bitch and Scandal West, drummer also Hello. from the band Bitch. Hi. And we're here on this somber occasion to pay tribute to an absolute gem of a human being who I just can't say enough great things about as a person. And above and, and beyond that, just a legendary uh, producer, director, journalist, uh, hard rock metal historian, great supporter of the scene of that genre of music. <clears throat> I was blessed enough to be interviewed by him and, and hooked up by him to, for the uh, Inside LA Metal documentary. 
And um, I was uh, just thrilled to be included in that. And I got to work very closely with him. And um, it was very shocking and sudden uh, of his passing. And we're all grieving his loss. And um, we're going to miss him greatly. Uh, I just can't say enough good things about him. And I know a lot of other people share the same sentiment. It's like Randy. Um, he, he did a lot in the rock and metal scene. But I'm just, he, as a person, he was just... A really sweet wonderful guy he was a great friend he always had your back he looked out for his friends and took care of them and always helped you if you if you possibly could um, he was a great guy and it's horrible to lose him um, uh, I guess that's all I have to say but God bless Bob and he was wonderful yeah, we're both blessed to have known him and been associated with him and 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 been his friend so rest in peace Bob uh, we love you. If I recall correctly, it, it had to be the country club. We played the country club a lot. And uh, Bob, I guess the first time he saw us, he just kept following us. I mean, he kept up with us, you know. And uh, after a while, you start seeing the same guy, you know. And you go like, hey, hey, what's, hey that's I'm, I'm Bob. You know, hey, what's up, Bob? You know, and, and after that, it was like, you know, before you knew it, you know, we were always inviting him backstage to hang out with us. And, you know, and he was, I think he had a rag at that point in the magazine, you know, doing his thing. I think he put us in the magazine, you know, because he, he really dug what we were doing, you know, and of course we were, we were different, you know, and, but he, he stuck to it like glue. He's just like, like, like a right to it, not even a head trip at all, you know what I mean? Because uh, during those days, I mean, when we came out, you, we had to push through a little bit, you know, because people were like, oh, my God, you know, they're all black, you know, and they're playing heavy metal, you know, hard rock, you know. Bob was just like, chink, straight to the point. Yeah, what's up? What's up? You know, that was it. <laughs> you know, it's. I knew you were going to ask that, and I was breaking my brains over, over when did I meet Bob? And it... I, I don't know. It's because Bob has become such a part of my life that I don't, it, it seems like he's been part of this life all this time, right? So I don't, I, honestly, I don't know what I remember. As long as I remember, I've known Bob. But let's put it this way, you know? And obviously we met over music. That was, you know, the, the you know, hard rock, heavy metal was his passion, was his life. And, and that's how I entered, you know, through Metal Rendezvous, through Headbanger and, it's it, it, one of the things that always strikes me about when I think about Bob and how we met and how we started to uh, become friends and, and, and really got close is something that was mentioned a lot in the Bay Area Godfathers documentary. If, if you remember, many of them said, hey, we weren't rivals up in the, you know, we were all friends, we're all helping each other. And Bob and I were kind of in that same relationship, even though he was down in L.A. and I was up in, up in Monterey at the time. Um, we we just supported each other. We helped each other with Headbanger and then with Metal Rendezvous, and and it just grew. You know, we grew closer, and that just became real close friends. Bob, like I said, he, at first he had a he had a magazine, but he was always connected to other people. You know, I mean, uh, and he was always turning on other people to us. You know, Metal Blade got turned on, I think, through us or John, but Sutherland, Sutherland, but uh, yeah. Those those guys, uh, Bob was always talking us up, you know, always showing up to every show, 
you know, that kind of thing. And whatever he could do, Bob would do. You know, it's as simple as that. And you know, and it's it's funny because uh, as as close as our friendship is and was, uh, we've never lived in the same place together. You know, uh, he always been in LA. Then he went up to North California, and eventually, when he ended up in San Jose, I was already here in Texas. So we never ever lived in the same town or even as close close proximity together. And yet, our friendship endured, and it's because of what we built back in the day when he had Headbanger, I had a metal rendezvous. And then, you know, when he closed the Headbanger, he moved over to become an integral part of Metal Rendezvous as we grew it from the fanzine to the full-blown magazine later on. He he was always there, always available, always willing to help. And uh, that, that's, that just stays with you for the rest of your life. Well, I mean, like I said, his loyalty was was the biggest focus. Um, he... Um, really didn't have that kind of power to place us somewhere, you know what I mean? But it was just his, uh, he always wrote about us if he had a chance, you know, and he always came to every gig. Um, that that was, that kind of thing you don't really see too much, when that kind of loyalty, you know, and every time you see him or run across him, it's always the same vibe, you know. He was like, oh, Bernie, you know, and they say, hey, you know, I, he put together that uh, that metal um, um, series, you know, the, the inside metal. So he put us in there prominently. Right. So he was like, you know, you guys, I don't know if you guys, you know, inside the uh, film, he was saying, you know, I don't know if you guys were around during that time, but there was a band called Sound Barrier in space which gave us, you know, in his documentary, which gave us, you know, I'm sure a lot of people saw that. I, I, some people called me up and say, man, I just saw this documentary, you know. And I say, oh, yeah, that's that's Bob Nalbandian, you know. That's what he does. He and uh, Carl, Carl Alvarez. So, yeah, they, they, they pushed us like, you know, whatever they could do. And that was a big one because, you know, he's asked us, could we be in there and use music? I said, oh, sure, you know, for sure, you know to complete that documentary because, you know, there were uh, several other offers for us uh, because there was not a band like us during that period for us to do, you know, documentaries or be a part of a uh, a uh, box set, you know, that kind of thing, you know. So sometimes he would call on, on that and if he had information, you know, got wind of something, you know, and then we'd have to decide if we wanted to be involved. But, yeah, we would we would be the band that, you know, Bob would always push, you know. Nah, he always he, he always did it for the love of music. And all the steps that he's done since, you know, whether it's joining Roadrunner, you know, the, the record, record label or, or becoming a contributor to some other magazine, he didn't do it for the money or the fame. He wanted to get as close as possible to the music. That was his ultimate motive. And the friends that he made throughout these, uh, these all these steps in his journey he also was loyal to them. I mean, that's the one thing that uh, I need to add. You said he was loyal to the music, but he was also loyal to the friends. You know, I mean, when, when I exited the music industry in the mid-90s, a lot of my so-called friends I never heard from again, right? Bob, no way. We stayed in touch. You know, I moved across the country to St. Louis. He stayed in L.A., but we stayed in touch. He came to my wedding in 2000. And we saw each other, any of my journeys, whether it was for work or vacation, when I was in a neighborhood, and sometimes the neighborhood was 100 miles away, 
but we always made a point to get together throughout all these years and and just talk about the music, talk about the passion that we both had for the for the genre. But it's that friendship that really endured. Um, whether it's the music that held us together or his personality, well, I would I would argue it's both, right? You you need to have both that that really kept us and kept this friendship alive all these years. Yeah, you know, you never know how it goes, you know, uh, through word of mouth and stuff. Because Bob was like that kind of guy, always spreading us. Because I mean, I still get uh, hit hit on YouTube, you know, channel from uh, from uh, Brazil or something. And some twenty five year old guy told me that he got turned on to Sound Barrier from his dad. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, you know. And it's like, yeah, we were just watching it on the YouTube. And I said, who is that, you know? And I, you know, you never know what because Bob had his hands everywhere, you know. He was always in the stuff. So I even did a, he hooked me up with a, uh, a Swedish guitar uh, player uh, years, a couple of years after Sound Barrier. I forget his name now, but we, he hooked me up with him and we, we cranked out about six songs or so, you know, and, we, and Bob was carrying that around, showing that to different people, you know, and it was just like on a four track, just demo, I mean, real demo stuff, you know. And it was just, but we started cranking out some nice songs. And that was over at Bob's house here in North Hollywood. You know, he said, you know, hey, I want you to use, meet this dude, you know. And then he, he knew me. I didn't, hadn't heard of him, but I, then, you know, Bob turned me on to his history. And we started cranking out a couple of songs. So that's how Bob worked, you know. Hello, my name is Byron Hauntus. And I was a publicist in 1984 at Electra Records and Capitol Records and Union Entertainment Group until 2006. Bob, you knew my bands better than I did. And when I had someone new to work with, you had already knew who they were and what they were all about. You were like a friend of everybody, even when you were interviewing the bands and they loved you. Your integrity spoke volumes. And when we were out at shows, etc., outside of our rooms and our offices, was like a fraternity group slash sorority group get together. What a great time to be in the music business, especially the metal and hard rock side of things. Anyhow, Bob, rest in peace, my friend. And please say hello to all those characters we know upstairs. Oh, check this out. Some cool, uh, some cool filming. Bob, you're missed. You're probably having a better time up there and we are down here. All the best. Rest in peace, my friend. Absolutely, Bob was not one of those people. Mm -hmm. He's one of the most yeah. positive people I've ever been around. He always <laughs> had a smile on his face. He was such a, you know, like a, a booster, like pro music, pro heavy metal. I mean, forever, since, mm -hmm. ever since I've known him. And he always had that twinkle in his eye and a smile on his face and he'd, he'd always just be happy like tell us what's going on tell us this tell us that and i did a number of podcasts and stuff with him, and he was always great one place i can tell you absolutely for certain where i did not meet bob for the the, for the very first time and very few people can say that 
And that would be at the very first Metallica show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bob was there. Bob was mm-hmm. uh, in there recording. So there was that. So no, no one could say, I was, I was there when I was there from the beginning. It's like very few people. There's a small list, a very, very small list. And only, only Bob can, can say he's on that list. Mm-hmm. But uh, my, my history with Bob kind of falls in that same spectrum of, you know, all the different shows and concerts that, I would attend, I would see Bob, but I'm going to have to say potentially, and it makes sense because it's, it's, it just becomes very cyclical with one band and that would be Armored Saint. Okay. Uh, Armored Saint did a lot of shows like the Troubadour, um, you know, with, you know, just in around and whiskey and whatnot, but I want to say a uh, country club in, in, in Reseda, California, but I want to say it was a troubadour, 92 or 93, and I believe he was at the in-store for Blue Meanie, at Blue Meanie Records in Woodland Hills, and that was probably the first time I met him. This was pre, um, or the very early stages as he was starting the Headbanger fanzine, because meeting him in person was at one of those places and then i know that we we eventually uh, were tape traders uh, okay you know, pen pals and all that but we mm. lived in different area codes but it, for the most part i would say our saint 82 or 83 it's wow. fuzzy but that's what i can pinpoint everyone that was in at the beginning whether it was uh people starting fanzines in the states like bob uh, Bob Muldowney on the East Coast, uh, people doing fanzines and Krang and all that in the UK, Metal Mike and Andre doing the thing with Archock in Holland, uh, mm. you know, the guys doing this in Germany. I mean, forget about it. But everyone had a part to play. Everyone was, you know, the reason why this music took off and got popular and, they, you know, they shouted it from the hilltops, you know. Mm-hmm. Bob was crucial. Um, he he just was. He had the ability to network. He had the ability to, you know, if I said talk about music, but really get into the nuts and bolts of why this song is important, why this band will do something. He, he did a lot of forecasting because being early on, uh, supporters of underground music and and all the artists that have come from that he had the voice and that was something that um a lot of people did not take the time to do i mean it you know this it's a lot of legwork a lot of burning calories to get to shows you know whether you drive you're taking the bus or you're getting dropped all that Mm. it it's a lot of work because you you're going to the show, you're 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 there for hours on end. You talk to the band, you're hanging out uh, after the show. You're exchanging numbers, you're you're exchanging all this information, and then you know all that knowledge Bob accumulated. Of course, it resulted in him uh, doing uh, uh, the Headbanger Fanzine. He also championed a band called Eden. Um, he went, you know, to give you a ba- basketball analogy. He really did a, a full full court press and then getting them signed. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, for those that may not know, Eden were a band 
put out a release in 1986, and they came out of uh, the ashes of a band called August Red Moon, uh, based in Orange County, who he also uh, championed very well. So he, again, just really wanted to highlight bands that weren't going to get the time of day um, from, you know, the circus and the hit paraders um, at the time. You know, everything was relegated, uh, really, seriously. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy for anyone to just click on YouTube and just sort of see what the new single or the new band is out there. But we really had to struggle to find this information. That's why the pen pals, the, the fanzines, that's what kept the, you know, that's what kept things going. And Bob was at the, seriously, uh, he was at the forefront of that. And it, it really, it really helped immensely uh, to so many bands especially for the exposure. I'm not sure with that, but I definitely remember Bob, like in the 2000s when we started, you know, after Mark got over his accident, we started touring again. And he'd always come up and want to do an interview and what's what are you guys doing? And I love this and blah, blah, blah. He was, he was just, like I said, just full of positive energy and always had a, always had a laugh and a smile on his face, you know. But Bob, was nonstop. Even when the headbanger stopped after I think a dozen or so plus issues, he kept mm -hmm. going. It was it was it was it was continuous. All the legacy bands, he still would talk about their new releases or the new tour because he had a voice and he had a passionate voice where he could meticulously talk about the songs, lyrics, the the artwork. Bob was was you know he was he was he was rare uh, rare rare person in, in in terms of what he could do um by just his words so so just you know man i couldn't have gotten there at, <clears throat> at a better time you know and of course dave right he <clears throat> is um you know kicking around the idea for his next band post metallica uh me and my friend greg hand of it um you know joined forces with him we you know we um through you know the, the, you know the early davis writing stuff but during the rehearsals and then we decided to call the band megadeth you know that was the impetus of forming our band so you know a lot of excitement around dave what his next step was going to be you know um and bob being one of the you know one of those excitable forces you know we all know bob always happy yeah. always excited right. always positive mm -hmm. so me and dave we go down to meet Bob. I seem to think it was Redondo Beach. Uh, we literally go do the interview with Bob on the beach. You know, I like sun tanning <laughs> out on the beach, you know, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> which is what was so memorable about it. It's like, well, I always remember Bob. He's like, it was very bizarre to do a freaking heavy metal magazine interview <laughs> on the beach in California. Shouldn't it be dark and satanic? It's, it's not sunny. <laughs> so there <laughs> so we are. And, um, <clears throat> So Bob, of course, so Bob in Southern Cal, Ron Quintana up in uh, the Bay Area. Um, <clears throat> so all these people, you know, East Coast, West Coast, Bernard Doe from Metal Forces was in the UK. And, you know, Lars, and I think because he was from Denmark, you know, he understood the international connection that needed to happen. You know, Dave, Dave told me that Lars is, you know, first uh kind of mantra or mindset with metallica was to be the you know the u.s motorhead 
right? I think that was right. kind of the original dream for him, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, he understood that you know you had to get your your music out to these people. So the so the Bob Nobandians of the world, and in particular Bob, you know, they knew that when you got a demo, um, the No Life to Leather demo from Metallica being sort of the crown jewel of of success, you know, you get those demos out, the buzz spreads. You know, today, if you did that, you're basically giving your songs away on the Internet, right? You'll never get them back. But back in those days, people, you wanted people to spread the demo around because it's how uh, Bob and Ron and Bernardo and all these guys and Malcolm Dome, who was uh, writing for Kerrang! and various things, <clears throat> you know, you wanted that buzz because that's what got the likes of Megaforce and <laughs> Combat Records interested in your band. It was sort of mm-hmm. early, early A&R PR, you know. So- we had many things in common his passion was my passion and for me to uh, be part of his some of his final work um that meant everything to me because i am with rock and heavy metal that's the one area that i will always be passionate about and um he wanted me to share that in his his docs and that 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 i will always be appreciative of you always led bob in the room you know what i mean because he was just he was genuine he was heartfelt and maybe it's because he's from orange county mm. and you know he wasn't part of the hustle of of the sunset strip you know because when you live there and I had to learn how to do it too. You got to learn how to hustle and bullshit and get your way in the room. And you know what I mean? It's just, it's that thing. And I think Bob not being from that culture, <clears throat> but truly being, you know, a fan who like all of us bought your Iron Maiden records or whatever it is, you took them home, you listened to them on your stereo and you just became a fan. I mean, he was that guy. And I think that's why everybody liked him. <clears throat> of course, you know, Brian Slagle from metal blade records you know he was another one of the guys not a journalist but a label mm-hmm. guy johnny z sure. you know on the east coast you know so there's all mm-hmm. these players in the scene of, of that helped this thing get off the ground and become what it was and, and it was all fan driven it wasn't money driven it wasn't profit yeah. motive it's um it was just for the love of the scene and to be part of something and i think that's why when we did the big four you know back in you know 2010 and 2011 that's why it was even so special is because this was a family reunion not just of the four bands but of everybody that was a part of it sure such a celebration so you know i think with bob um look we we interviewed him for the uh nick menza movie that will hopefully we'll get that out next year well that was the last time i saw bob and that would have been uh january is a year ago january of uh 2022 when we were filming the interviews <clears throat> and he gave us some great stories and <clears throat> you know he is as as happy-go-lucky as bob is when he spoke he spoke with authority because he was there he knew what he was talking about um because again i saw him in january we filmed his his segment we actually got in the car drove down the street to starbucks we got caught up we we're sure. bullshitting and just hanging out um he you know he was so positive to me he was like man he goes you just keep going everything you're doing is just great man you're on point just keep at it you're you know everything that you're doing Mm -hmm. lucid the movie and all this other stuff so he was so encouraging to me in this next season of my life to just keep going man just just stay the course and 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 genuine not like trying to just you know 
fluff me up but mm-hmm. like really genuine like dude you're, you're on you're on it you know keep keep going you know so and that to me was you know real friendship uh you know not just as a you know as a former megadeth guy but just as me you know bob and david you know so that's yeah. that's the genuineness that from him to contribute to this tribute to Bob Nalbandian uh, or as he will always be in my mind the great mad dog Nalbandian 
And anybody who knew Bob will know how funny that nickname is. I'll take credit for inventing it. Uh, just for a joke, I think, about 10 years ago, uh, I started referring to Bob as Mad Dog in my emails to him just because he was such a gentle kind of guy um, and because he was quite smiley and soft-spoken and just very friendly, kind of huggy dude, very, very affectionate, the, the least like a Mad Dog you could imagine. Um, so it was just a hilarious nickname that um, fortunately he liked because uh, it stuck, you know, everyone started calling him that. And he used to sign off his emails as Mad Dog in Albania. Which, again, if you knew him, is the funniest thing ever because he was just such a sweetheart. Anyway, um, uh, I've known Bob about 20 years. I think I met him in the early 2000s because I was writing a book about Metallica in which he was involved. Uh, gave me a lot of really useful information about the early days of the band and his role um, with bringing them to light, which absolutely should be stressed and, and celebrated, uh, along with so many other great bands in, which, uh, in whose history he played a part. And he, he and I... Uh, uh, after a while, we developed a friendship that was based on very good, good-natured kind of ball-busting. You know, like uh, he would always say, "You know, what's the shit music you're listening to today, Joel?" You know, because I used to like a lot of death metal that he hated and didn't really understand. And in return, I would say, "Oh yeah, you're listening to Ted Nugent and Aerosmith, right? You know, the heaviest band on the planet." And uh, we would sort of exchange jokes uh, by email. Um, and we first met in, uh, I think, uh, 2008. Uh, at the NAMM show in Anaheim, California, uh, where we hung out. <laughs> I had been sent over by the magazine that I was editing at the time, which was Bass Player magazine in the end, uh, and they had put me in um, like a motel in Anaheim. Um, Bob said, uh, would it be okay to come and stay because I had like a suite of rooms? And of course I said, yeah, yeah, it'd be great. We went and had some beers. Um, and Bob, <laughs> to my surprise, Bob uh, brought back a stripper with him um, uh, you know, a very pretty young lady uh, to stay with him. I think actually it was a, it was not a romantic relationship. I think they were friends. Um, but of course that led to huge ball busting uh, in the years to come, right? You know, the time that I invited Bob to come and stay at my in my hotel room and what the hell, he brought a stripper along, you know, which, which was always really funny. Um, and so, you know, I, I uh, connected with Bob over the years. I'm in England. He's in California, so it didn't happen very often. It was always at the NAMM show, though, uh, and we had some great times, man. He was the sweetest man in the world, as I'm sure everybody who's also taking part in this program will tell you. Um, so thank you very much, guys, for, for paying tribute to him. He was one of, one of a kind. I'm so sorry he's gone. 59 is no age for someone with as much lust for life as he had. I'll always remember Bob, and I hope you do too. Thanks very much. Uh, I was, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Bob once, uh, in real life. Um, you know, I, I don't get out traveling, uh, too, too far away. Um, I'm from Toronto, but we had a family trip to California and Bob met me with a great hug and take, took me on a, on a nice tour of Los Angeles, took me to Amoeba, took me to the Rainbow Room. Uh, it was great. Um, but yeah, had known Bob for a long time before that, been on the podcast a bunch of times, interviewed him. He's in a few of my books here and there because um, he had just such a great knowledge base and all those contacts and all those great stories about being on the ground floor and helping all those bands get off, uh, get off the ground, the whole Metal Blade situation. Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, all those guys. Um, 
So yeah, he was instrumental along with a bunch of you guys uh, in uh, in the press, uh, the various forms of press over there. Uh, but yeah, Bob was a great guy, great enthusiasm. As as we said in our little private email group, uh, one of the funniest things was watching his defense of Nazareth and uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive all the time. Uh, that was really cool. But uh, yeah, he'd uh, you know it was California time, so we'd all be grousing and arguing like a bunch of old ladies all day, and then Bob would chime in with a nice long email. Uh, down the road uh, later when he uh, got up and going and he he always sent in uh, in really good uh, defenses of stuff with a lot of caps and a lot of uh, a lot of exclamation points and good good arguments about things but um, yeah it was great being on his show he had such a great radio voice he was just put everybody at ease uh, he was really good that way, um, and and you can tell, you know, there was a lot. There's obviously we've seen there's been a lot of love for him. We all did our tributes on Facebook to him, and they got tons and tons of comments and likes and all that stuff. Hundreds of uh, hundreds of reactions. Um, so yeah, you could tell that uh, he was a, he was a really important guy uh, in the industry. And I I kind of knew about the cancer on and off, um, and I didn't really, you know, he kept that pretty private to himself, obviously. Uh, but yeah, periodically we were on his shows and uh, and like I say, interviewed him a bunch of times. I think we interviewed him for uh, Banger Films as well, uh, Metal Evolution. Um, I'm not sure if he's actually in any of those episodes, but uh, I remember we at least interviewed him for research and stuff like that. And obviously he was a great filmmaker on his own and got all that stuff done, which is going to serve as great, great history for anybody. I see it on Tubi all the time there, uh, his stuff. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, thanks again uh, for asking me to be part of this tribute to Bob. Lots of love. Um, we all loved him. And um, yeah, rest in peace, Bob Nelbandia. <laughs> The Soho House in Los Angeles, West Hollywood, for the I guess the press, the press version of our press premiere. Yeah, went well. We're looking looking forward to uh, Thursday night as well up here in Hollywood. We feel like high class, big time rollers here. (laughs) We'll see you soon. Really, I met Bob when we. it, it was at a my birthday party that uh, my friend AC threw, and uh, so I was starting to work on a documentary uh, that uh, my producing partner Warren had said you should do a documentary about the LA rock scene back in the day, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll try that, and. Uh, you know, I, I really didn't have a plan for it. I had a camera, and that was it. So um, AC said, "Hey, you know, Bob does uh, journalism and stuff. He's he's deep in the scene, loves it. So you should talk to him." And um, so I went over and met Bob and said, "Hey, you know, what do you think about doing a documentary?" And uh, he was on board right away. So you know, we connected and. Uh, that was where our journey began. Well, I remember it really well because I came here from Sweden in uh, on November 18th in 1992. I flew in and I met him New Year's that year 
at a party that him and his him and his roommates had thrown up at Mulholland Terrace, which is where he lived at the time. So that was my my first exposure to him at his party. So, uh, and he was just he was Bob, you know, <laughs> he was just a, he was a fun dude. And then, uh, you know, obviously our friendship deepened over the next year or so, actually over the next two years. But that was my first exposure, and it was a great party, I tell you. Oh God, yeah, Bob. Bob was totally invaluable. I mean, it. I guess it's serendipity that we met because if I would have tried to pull it off without Bob as a an ally, it, it never would have happened. So it was definitely meant to be. And he took the reins. He grabbed the bull by the horns. Really, um, it became his documentary, honestly. And. Um, he just went to work, rounded up all the interviews. We did a lot of them right here at my house out on the back deck. And uh, and it was great because I knew a lot of the people, of course, some peripherally and, and some as friends. And uh, so it was a great opportunity to reconnect. And it, it just turned into an adventure, you know. It had definitely had its um, challenges. I'll say that. It's, <laughs> it's not an easy thing. For for every hour, you know, documentary, it's a hundred hours of footage that has to be sorted, edited, you know. And he just had the right mindset to dive in, organize it, look at creating the overall start to finish, and visualize it. So, yeah, Bob was just awesome, amazing. It was super important because I was very Swedish when I first came here. First of all, uh, my English wasn't all that good, but then uh, I was kind of quiet, you know? Generally, Swedes are quiet if, if they don't know people, and then they get super loud when they get drunk. But he was just so gregarious and outgoing, and, and I think a lot of that rubbed off on me. So he's, I think to a certain degree, he's the guy, guy that turned me into who I am today in the sense that I, I say hi to everyone I meet, you know? And I give everyone a chance, which he did. He didn't care if you were young or old, like whatever sex, whatever race, whatever. He was always open to give everyone a chance to come in and become part of the group. And and that's what I try to pattern myself after. You know, as I came to know Bob and um, we hung out together and went on these adventures and yeah, yeah, that's it. He was just such a soulful guy and uh, he had great tw- uh, trust between us and um you know i knew i could count on him to stick it out and he wasn't flaky at all you know he was just a, a really cool and passionate human that um i fell in love with honestly you know he very inspired me to carry it through and do our work and that's how we became friends and then we started you know just hanging more and drinking beers together and um and toby uh you know was sort of a a friend too and and uh, we'd hang out with him and and then uh, we brought carl into the mix and traveled up to um the bay area to to interview metallica and we went to vegas and so we had a lot of fun adventures together and became you know good buds it was he was like the spider in the web in the sense that he connected everyone but then he also got, got connected to friends of his friends so his web just got bigger and bigger but i gotta tell you another thing about him i've never met anyone who's been so good at maintaining friendships 
because every time he would always, you know, um, so we live in the South Bay of LA. He had, he had a key to the house. So even if we were out of town and he was in town, he would always come and stay here. And he would always, every time he was here, he would make an, eff- make an effort to go out and meet, to see all his buddies in the area. And he didn't care how far he had to drive. He would go down to Lake Elsinore and all over the place just to see his buddies. But he really maintained friendships in a way I only wish I could. And also, he never really judged anyone. And I know that's like the, the thing to say, like you shouldn't judge others, but it's very easy to judge people, right? You judge their actions or whatever. He never judged anyone. He just, he was wide open to become friends with anyone. And, and I think that's who he really was. And couldn't care less about money. He just needed enough money to get by, right? Put food on the table, gas money, and to pay the rent. And, and he never really cared for accolades. That's why it's kind of fun that at least, you know, over the last 15 years, he started getting some real accolades outside the, the like, the, the uh, absolute center of the metal community when he started making the documentaries. He got more exposure, which he really deserved. But again, it was something that it's neither here nor there for him. He just, he did what he did because he did it. Not, he didn't have any other uh, preconceived plans or anything. No, uh, the original plan, I think, was just the one, you know, and see how that goes. We, we weren't quite that ambitious to think we could do that, do, you know, a whole series. But the first one had so much... Um, material so much footage uh that it grew and then it was like okay this has to be two episodes it's it's just too much and um you know again kudos to bob for doing that especially the editing part is so tedious and uh really requires incredible dedication and he had it absolutely amazing but on the other hand it also feels a little bit like all these people that were part of this inner circle which is kind of a big inner circle it's a little bit of a family i talked to a bunch of the other guys and it's like it's almost like we feel that all of us have been vetted right by him we all know that we're all good people we're okay people so our friendships will continue but he was definitely the uh the hub right there he was the one that brought everyone together We can discuss the next scene, right? Okay. okay. So, so, so what are uh, what are we working on now? We're, we're doing the uh, the kind of the metal and the record store section here. Okay. Yeah. So, um, are we are we good to go to record? Yes. All right. The rise of metal gave birth to many European magazines. This inspired the launch of two highly influential Bay Area fanzines, Metal Mania and Metal Rendezvous. What do you think? Does that good. Does that kind of sound good? Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. They were the two major players. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And uh, I think we need to talk about the guitar players next. That'll be a good one as well. To well, talk about. Uh, we should also add in the section about the record stores and, of course, KUSF. We need to do that. Yeah. 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 Let's add that right now. Let's put, yeah. We'll put that all together into one section. In addition, College station KUSF's Rampage Radio, which was led by Ian Kellen and Ron Quintana, were also very influential in supporting the local scene. Is that good? Yeah. Kind of like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the record stores. And And finally, now let's take that from the top. Ready, Matt? Finally, 
there were the record stores like Bill Burkhardt's Record Exchange and the Record Vault, which made all the imports available. Uh, I'm not particularly happy with it. I think we may have to rewrite some of the verbiage and finish it off. Well, I talk about the import, obviously the imports that come over for the European imports, and then I talk about the local yeah. demos that they used to sell. Yeah. Of the, you know, Metallic and all that to leather and all that. So yeah. we'll, 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 we'll come back and we like that. Part. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know, to add to that and his his uh, desire to stay in touch with people is when when I left the music industry and, and we did stay in touch, he knew that I, I was still a fan. I was I always been a fan. Right. So we always kept pulling me into little things. Right. Hey, you know, do you want do you want to do a little review for Shockwaves? You know, or hey, do you want to do a school sessions with me about concerts? Or he, he always kept doing that, knowing that I was passionate and, and it would make me happy. And that's what he wanted, really. He wanted me to be happy. And then when he asked me to contribute as much as I did to the Bay Area Godfathers, it was just it was a dream come true for me that, you know, he really wanted me part of it. And it just I just felt so special and, and uh, for, for what he did and by bringing me in so closely to that. Oh, is this going now? Yeah, it's live. Yeah, you're live. Oh, we're live. Wow, look at that, Danny. Danny Shipman. Trying to get your live CD on, products uh, in there. Shockwave School <laughs> Sessions. Yeah. Episode number three. Yeah. Oh, well, on my 30th anniversary of living in San Francisco. Oh, perfect. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. See, we tied it in perfectly. That was planned, by the way. <laughs> Hi, this is Danny Shipman from Reality Check TV in San Francisco. I worked on the documentary films Barry of Godfathers and Band vs. Brand with Bob. And uh, Bob was a huge inspiration on me even before I even met him. I used to read his fanzine The Headbanger as a teenager and it turned me on to so many amazing bands. It's treasure trove of this wonderful underground scene that I didn't know about where I discovered bands like Bitch and Armored Saint and uh, Hellion and Malice and more. It was just, just amazing. Uh, what he did and, and what he exposed me to and exposed other people to. And his uh, Inside Metal series is the perfect education to really learn about what the metal scene was about, not just the big bands you know about, but a lot of these forgotten bands that help uh, shape and form and bring metal to what it is as you know it. And uh, his passing away has like just uh, robbed us of so many amazing stories and so much more that could be done. Now, there's a thing that happens uh, once a year, uh, usually in the L.A. area, and it's also been done at the uh, Vakken Festival, the Metal Hall of Fame. Now, the Metal Hall of Fame is not exclusive to just rock stars. The Metal Hall of Fame also gives recognition to those that have uh, helped shape and form and contributed so well to the heavy metal scene. And if anybody deserves to be in the Metal Hall of Fame, it's Bob Nobandian. So I vote we put Bob Nobandian in the Hall of Fame and honor him for all that he's done for the heavy metal community and the heavy metal scene. Thank so you. It just, I, I, there's nothing I can say bad about him. I mean, I love the guy like a brother. You know, and uh, he's you know always such a loyal guy and uh, you know truthful and uh, you know, would sometimes I'd ask him for advice on things, and he, you just, you always walked away feeling better after you talked to him, and even with what he was going through, you know, and and he would help me with my problems, you know. It's like I didn't have any problems compared to what he was going through, you know, and but but that wasn't in his mindset to think that way, you know. He just wanted to help a friend. 
you know, I would urge everybody out there, particularly if you're new, maybe you jumped on the skull sessions at maybe a year ago and you don't know the backstory on Bob or whatever, is go back and listen to the early skull sessions. I think they started in 2006 or whatever. I went back and listened to them. I don't remember the sh listening to the shows from 10 years ago, but you're getting re-educated again and listen to his best live albums of the 70s or the best live albums of the 80s, whatever. There's huge education in, in going back and listening to that. Put me onto a shit ton of music that I was aware of, but not really in depth on. So I would urge everybody to do that. And just for me, like, uh, he was just a great guy and it was just a, an incredible shame what happened and, and how quickly it happened. I was glad I got to meet them and kept in contact with them and I think the last text I had from from Bob a couple of months ago was him busting my balls again, like literally busting my balls. Just, I'm just glad for the friendship I had with him. I'm just glad for everything he did for me. And when it comes to the podcasting and all that as well, I said it on my show. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing focus on metal if he hadn't have you know sown the seeds in my brain to to go and do that. And in a lot of ways, it was you know it was the DIY aspect of it that he he brought to me as well. That it was like I can do this. You know, I don't have to be on commercial radio to do it or a local radio station. I can do it myself in my own house from the grassroots up and, and do a show that a lot of people are like. And, and Bob was really good at doing that. Yeah, I'm upset that I don't get to play our new album to him and get his reaction on that. So mm -hmm. I guess I'll have to play it real loud for him to hear it now. <laughs> you know, Bob, I think, you know, he lived a great life. He was a man of integrity. He finished strong. Everybody, I'm sure every one of these podcasts or comments that I ever saw online, everybody just loves the guy, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and what a great way to finish off your time on earth, you know, of leaving that kind of a legacy behind of just being selfless and, and just always one to come and, and help and, and pitch in and, and just be part of the goodwill. Well, I just want to say, Bob, love you, brother, and, um, you know, hope to see you on the other side. He's a beautiful human, and uh, so grateful I got to know him. I will miss my friend 40 years, and um, I, I, I want to, again, thank everyone who has uh, who has always had something good to say about Bob because I don't know of any bad. I, I don't. You know, again, what, what a great guy Bob was and what a lasting memory. He's, he's left a legacy of, you know, a, a guy that was an integral part of heavy metal worldwide. So tribute to him. If we were together, we would always, you know, do shots together, uh, go to the restaurant and eat together go around to the Roxy and get a, get a pizza. I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was like that, you know, the rainbow, you know, we just sit up there and, you know, just, you know, if, if he, if he's in there and I walk in there, he goes, ah, oh, Bernie, come on over, come on over here. <laughs> you know, what, you want some pizza, man? You know, let's do a shot, you know, and it's like always the same. That's the one thing, you know, you can't say that about people. So a lot of people always the same. So, yeah, Bob was, uh, yeah, you, if you know how uh, certain people hit you in your mind and your heart, that's, that's Bob.
but that's the thing with Bob. You were not a nobody. You, you were you were right up there with with Lars. You know, as, as far as his relationships and friendships are concerned, and that's what was so important about what made Bob so so. Um, trying to find the right word. Special, yeah, special. There you go. Yeah. You know what I would would do? I would reinforce for him how how many people he reached in his life and how few people do that there are very few people that reach as many people that he he did and the funny thing about him is that every friend he ever had always felt that he was his best buddy right because he made everyone feel special and and i don't care about achievements so much or or money or status symbols i really care about people that that leave a lasting imprint by being who they are or who they were. And that's him. He left a lasting imprint by being the most genuine guy you could ever imagine. And on top of that was being so much fun too. He wasn't just a somber dude that you sat down and talked to. He was a guy you can have fun with too. He was just an incredible person and they don't make that many of those. So yeah, he'll be forever missed.